From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Joe from ExecThread. Joe, it's really nice to have you on. It's nice to be here. Thanks for the invite, and looking forward to having a good conversation, Brad. Absolutely. I'm really excited, too. To kick us off, Joe, can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as your company and who you guys are and what you're doing? Yeah, I'm the founder and CEO of ExecThread, which is a platform of closing in on a million executives throughout the world who join ExecThread really for one simple purpose, which is to gain access to career opportunities at that exec level and board level, both operating roles and board roles that are not publicly posted on job boards or on major job platforms. So some people affectionately refer to it as the hidden job market, which is more of a phenomenon for exec level searches, which are traditionally kept close to best and confidential. But as an executive member, you can gain access to thousands of those opportunities because we discovered a proprietary way of accessing and aggregating such opportunities. That's awesome. So what's your story? How did you get into this space and decide to tackle this problem? Yeah, I was getting approached by a number of executive recruiters throughout my career, especially after having sold my last company to Apple and the one before that to AOL. I was getting approached by executive recruiters, and I was actually more interested in finding out about the jobs that they weren't approaching before, more so than the ones that they were, because I figured for every job they were approaching before, there's probably hundreds, if not thousands, that I can't find out about or I'm not finding out about, and there's no easy way to find out about them, before which I could very well be qualified and in which I could very well be interested. And that problem is, it intrigued me and I wanted to solve it. Love that. I think we both know when you start a company, it's not always a straightforward path. It's this twisty, windy road. As you've built this company, uh, what are some of the strategies you've used to grow the company and what are some of the lessons learned? You're like, oh, we wouldn't do that again or we'd for sure do this 10 more times. Yeah, there's really too many to go into in detail and sure. time allotted. Any startup path from the ground up is littered with mistakes, failures, potholes, pitfalls, and hopefully the company and the team has the perseverance and persistence to grind away and survive and hopefully at some point thrive. But at the highest level, I would say product market fit and revenue model. Sometimes they're one and the same. Sometimes they're two different things. But without those two, you're not going to survive or thrive. At least not for very long. Absolutely. And I think when you're building a company, you think you might have product market fit, but you actually don't. Like, how do you know you have it? Is it when companies pull out their wallets and people or whoever your customer is and they're willing to pay for it? Or is it when they're willing to use the service? Or how do you determine, hey, we got product market fit or no, we don't? Because I think a lot of those out there listening might be somewhere in the middle. Maybe we do, but... Yeah, product market fit and revenue model are sometimes one and the same, oftentimes two very different things. So if you think about company like eBay, for example. I spent a couple of years at eBay earlier in my career as a general manager. Product market fit would be when both the supply and demand side of the marketplace are engaging heavily and in a recurring manner, meaning uh, users are posting supply and inventory to post. 
and the type that eBay would want on its platform. And there is demand for such inventory and supply from consumers. If you have that, then you know you move on to how do we monetize it, right? But if only one of the two sides of the marketplace were engaging, but not the other, then you're never going to get a chance to get to the revenue model because you don't have product market fit. Again, sometimes they're one and the same when your revenue model is so heavily infused into your service offering, but oftentimes they're different. And oftentimes you need to get product market fit before you get revenue because a lot of times startups, especially in the tech space, not focus on revenue early on, but instead focus on product market fit because they feel like once they have that, then they can start monetizing. But it's a dance because, and it's a race because if you run out of money before you get product market fit and have a chance to monetize, you're going to have runway issues and hopefully figure out product market fit and on the heels of that, the revenue model uh, before the cash gets too low. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the all through the history of Silicon Valley, it's been growth, 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 and then revenue could come later and all that. I feel like that narrative is changing right now where it's okay, more emphasis on revenue, profitability, but what's the right balance? I, it sounds to me like if you're like just revenue right away, that might constrain your growth a bit. But if you're just growth without revenue, you're probably just going to burn up a bunch of money and the revenue might not come. Yeah, I think the tech space, it's not just Silicon Valley, but I think the tech space in general, it goes in ebbs and flows in hot markets and in bullish markets. There's not as much of an emphasis on revenue and it's more of an emphasis on growth and we'll figure out revenue later. In downturns or in markets that are going sideways where capital is tightening up in terms of venture capital, which is really just a subsidy until you figure out how to generate revenue. When venture capital tightens up, then that forces startups to focus more on revenue and figuring out how to make the cash register ring. And I think it'll be like that for as long as we live. It's been like that for the last, since the early days of my career, and it'll continue to be like that. At the end of the day, though, what startups and founders need to realize is that if you don't get hyper growth in the absence of revenue, or if you don't get profitable revenue, you're not going to be able to survive because you're not going to get venture capital. You know, you might get the first round or two, but you're not going to get subsequent rounds. And ultimately, you're going to need to be able to offset expenses with revenue the old-fashioned way. And because if venture capital dries up, either because of macro reasons or because of reasons pertinent to your business model, then you have a choice, which is, can I figure out how to stand on my own two feet and generate revenue that's profitable on my own without needing additional capital to, to do that? Or is it time to exit stage left and move on to my next venture. Absolutely. So as you've been on this journey time and time, you've seen other companies and all this stuff. Like I know you said there's too many to talk about, but any top like, oh, this is a landmine to avoid. This is a lesson learned. Watch out for this or that. Yeah, I think again, going back to what I talked about a few minutes ago, don't delay revenue generation for too long and don't get overly optimistic that Venture capital is always going to be there because for various reasons, many of which could be beyond your control, it might not be. And when it dries up, you're going to need to figure it out on your own without subsidy, subsidization from, or subsidies from venture capitalists. Two, don't be heavily, too heavily dependent on any one 
channel, any one customer, any one vertical, because if those become troublesome, you're going to have a challenging situation on your hands. You're not diversifying your risk. Hiring good people, obviously, that's key early on and retaining them and being able to weather the storm because it's a long road. It's a roller coaster and it's a marathon, not a sprint, but it's a marathon at a sprint's pace. And if you're not ready for that over the long term, not everything goes to the moon and back overnight. Let's pivot a bit to the discussion. You have a pretty interesting strategy on LinkedIn. You're featuring different members and you have this content you've created and it's really resonated with people. How did that come about? And maybe just tell me the story of that and what's going on with it right now. Yeah, once a month, we put out a newsletter. We put out newsletters every week, but once a month, we put out a board roles newsletter where we highlight the board of director roles that we've outsourced and aggregated over the previous 30 days and share them with our members. And atop that newsletter, we feature an exec thread member who has recently secured either their first board role or a new board role. And we try to present a diverse group of executive members when doing that. It's not diverse in so much as excluding anyone, but we focus on diversity at the board level and diversity can take many forms and it can be a very broad category of professionals. And we let them tell their story. We pose six or seven questions to them. It's always the same questions every month, but the answers are very different because different executive members are answering them. And we share that with probably around 600,000 registered executive members for that, that, that newsletter. We also link to a LinkedIn post where we post it and publish it and promote it on LinkedIn as well, which is what I think what you're talking about. But it's really an opportunity for the executive member to, to talk about their lessons learned and talk about themselves a little bit, but in a way that's not self-serving, that's not patting themselves on the back, that's more advisory in nature and sharing tips and tricks and lessons learned. And I think that's appreciated. And I think that resonates. And it's different content than I think a lot of other platforms are putting out there, which is more kind of either clickbait-ish or self-serving. Absolutely. I love that. If you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that advice be? Be careful what you wish for. Love it. Short and simple. As we wrap up here, what is any advice you have for your customers out there, your industry, any closing remarks, any wrap-up thoughts? Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or an operating executive or really any type of career. Markets are always changing. You don't always control your own destiny. You think you might, but you don't always. You have to always evolve. You always have to change. You always have to think ahead, one or two, three steps ahead. Can't rest on your laurels. You can't rest back, sit back and take a deep breath. You have to always be thinking about where you want to take your career and why and take proactive steps in those directions as a as opposed to being complacent and sitting back. Love that. Joe, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today and sharing all your wisdom and insights. Brad, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it and uh, best of luck to you. Absolutely. Thanks.